right, well, we're going to go ahead and start on day one of week one, and I'll go ahead and read the first two verses of chapter one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> the first question, 1A, what came to Jonah? Jasmine, that's a hard one. I'm going to let you take that. Yeah, sure. I'm glad. I had so much on that one. So it's <laughs> the word of the Lord. <laughs> the word of the Lord. And actually, Jonah. I think that is very important. It is. Yes. The word of the Lord. Like that is the way that God spoke to his people. And in those days, they didn't have like widespread um, access to the word of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So the prophets were the way that they had access Especially to God's word. Especially in the Northern Kingdom. Yeah, exactly. But I, I did put that receiving the word of God is such a privilege and such an honor and an exalted position. Mm-hmm. So we actually yeah. had a greater responsibility because, as you said, um, mm-hmm. I think it says in First Samuel, and the word of the Lord was rare, rare in, those in those days. days. Yeah. And so he has this added responsibility because it is a privilege. What mm-hmm. is it they say in Spider-Man? With great power, power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Absolutely. <laughs> no, and actually that's something I talked about later when we look at what Jonah you know, did wrong and his disobedience. That was part of the problem. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. you're not even taking seriously like this responsibility the Lord has given you. Like, right. And privilege, like you privilege. said. What a privilege mm-hmm. that I have the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So. And, and that speaks to us today too because what a privilege that we have our Bibles, right? Mm-hmm. So true. That we have yeah. the word of the Lord. And you know, I know countries where it's legal. Yeah. And then... Um, because of our women worth knowing, um, both Jasmine and I love um, Christian history. And mm-hmm. to look at all the countries where, um, when Tyndale first translated the Bible, mm-hmm. he was put to death for translating the Bible into the English yeah, language. English, yeah. And then people who were found with the Bible in England, in England, were put on stakes, and the whole family was burned at the stake. And there's mm-hmm. a place in Smithfield, uh, Smithfield, London, um, where all of these people were uh, killed and burned to death because they were found with a Bible in their own language. Yeah. And so we don't realize what a privilege it is. And then two, Jonah, the word of God comes to him, and we'll get to this, but he didn't want to come under the authority of the word. Yeah, that's so true. some people have the word of God, right. but they don't respect it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a privilege they're not obeying it. They're not under the authority of it. So it, it is, it is you're, you're right. It's like an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. Um, did you have anything on who is Jonah being the son of Amittai? Amittai. It I, sounds like you do. But, well, I just, <laughs> it's kind of fascinating that the only two times that he's mentioned, he's mentioned with being the son of Amittai. Mm-hmm. And his father's name means like truthful yeah. or faithful. I saw that too, And yeah. so here, like the son of Mr. Faithful... Mr. Truthful should be telling the truth and should be faithful. Yeah, yeah, and you don't see that happening. Yeah. Even, and they were, I saw a commentary talking about even about Jonah's name meaning dove. I think you yeah. mentioned that mm-hmm. last you week and how that. that's a symbol of peace. Right. And it's like, it's just so interesting how he's not living up to his, name. <laughs> his heritage here. Yeah, yeah. His, name. his heritage or his name, right? Yeah. Okay, where was Jonah to go? That great city, Nineveh, the largest city in the world at that time, possibly, mm-hmm. capital of the empire. I was just even thinking, I was trying to equate it with like today, and so I looked up the largest yeah. cities in the world today. Believe it or not, is Tokyo is the largest city in the world, or the most densely populated, which I didn't realize. And then Bombay. I mean, you can figure like there'd be several cities in India that are in that list. But I was just thinking about that. Like, I mean, 
if, of just walking through Tokyo and just saying, all right, everyone repent. I mean, it's just huge. Mm. There's so many people. That would be such an overwhelming, like, yes. what, where do you even start here? This is like, how do you mm. eat an elephant? Where do I, you know? This I mean, is considered an intellectual capital, too. Besides being fierce that we talked about before, it was an intellectual, mm-hmm. it had a library. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was huge. It was huge. So I, you know, I equate it to going to someplace too that's very intellectual, yeah. okay. uh, very sophisticated, very um, set in their ways, but also very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, even you more know? so. Yeah, and exactly. That's kind of what the impression I've always had of Nineveh is you hear about the evil. Like you guys talked about mm-hmm. last week, mm-hmm. those um, murals or reliefs on the wall where it like shows people being pulled apart and their skin taken off yeah. and just the, you know, that kind of violence. And so, oh, you have a picture in your Bible. My Bible has there yes, it. Yes, mine does Yes. <laughs> if you go on a close uh, Actually, they're flaying. The... <laughs> they're yeah, they're yeah, taking the skin off of the guys. They're being alive. Yeah. yeah. Maybe but or maybe not. That's fascinating to think that there's the intellectual side. Because, yes. you know, like when you talk to missionaries who serve in countries like England, mm-hmm. their job, they have to know more of like the apologetics maybe to, um, to preach mm-hmm. in London or in England than they would if they were preaching someplace else. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting or thing, too. Or you think that, but actually it was a simple message that God gave mm-hmm. to Jonah that, that reached from the, well, we'll get this later, yeah. but from yeah. the king all the, all the way to the child. Yeah. It's such a simple message, and I remember Mary Peoples before she's, uh, she went to this church, and um, if you're watching this, Mary, I love you, I miss you. She lives <laughs> in Texas, but she was a lawyer, and she told me one time that, it, and she loved apologetics. I mean, I don't remember how many degrees mm. she got just to know the Word of God, yeah. but she said she found it was her testimony that was her best apologetic mm-hmm. and best um, evangelistic tool. Mm her own testimony. And I think we forget how important our own story is and what Jesus is doing in this relationship Mm -hmm. because we show people how it's alive today Mm -hmm. and how it's a relationship, not just the facts and the proofs. And they can't deny that. That's right. They can't deny the work he's done in us. Okay, so what do you think is most notable about this word to Jonah? Oh, wait. Oh, well. Oh, did you want to add something? No, just with the, what was Jonah? I guess it kind of goes with that. The word, the word that he had to give, you know, to go and, you know, cry out against, try, cry out against Nineveh, yeah, because of their wickedness, but t- in order to call them to repentance. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, again, that just struck me that, man, that's always God's heart first. You know, his heart is always to reach out and reach out, reach people to bring them to repentance, to get relationship again with them. And I just think, man, that's always the heart of God. I always think of Revelation when it says that the angel goes out with the everlasting gospel, like just to give everybody one last shot. But also too, that they had to know how evil they were. Well, that too, yeah, yeah, And I think about how so many times we don't think we're that evil. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. You know, we we never think, well, I'm not Mm -hmm. that bad. You know, I'm not a, because we compare on this level. Yeah, yeah. Or we justify our actions. But it was going to, it was by the realization of their evil and where their evil had taken them and the jeopardy that they were in, that they would be able to repent. Mm -hmm. And I think we have sometimes we give a gospel of, I I hate to say this, but almost a bubblegum gospel. Like come to Jesus and be so happy. Mm -hmm. And we have to say, come to Jesus because you're a dirty, rotten sinner. And without Jesus, you're gonna die in your sins. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus said, you know, without me, you're gonna die in your sins. And we are much worse than we realize, and we need a savior. Mm-hmm. And so it was by pointing out, preaching against it, that yeah. they would be able to realize, because mm-hmm. without repentance, we really never appreciate mm-hmm. 
the goodness, the greatness, and the grace of God. Oh, and that's so true. Well, all three of us grew up in the church, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I know for me, it's funny, just even a few, it was weird, a few Easter's ago or on a Good Friday, I was like praying during a ser the service and I was just kind of like, wow, I could go, to, I would have gone to hell if I hadn't received, it was so weird how it just kind of hit me again. It's like, mm -hmm. I grew up knowing all this, but we need those reminders, even as believers. Yeah, the Ninevites needed it too, but we need to realize like, oh my gosh, like, thank you, Lord. Yeah. I was just suddenly so relieved yeah. again. And yeah. so we need that look I, in the mirror thing. I was just reading, I mean, I was just talking to my son Char and he was saying, he's got this, he's working on these, these studies that sound really good, this series. But he said that, um, it is said, he's reading this book about generations and why like our children, our grandchildren failed to walk with the Lord. And he said, the first generation receives it the mm -hmm. second generation assumes it. Yeah. And the third generation denies it. Mm. And I think we're at this place that if it doesn't transfer, mm -hmm. and sometimes it has to transfer by our children needing the gospel, mm -hmm. yeah. just like we needed it. And it's hard to watch your children fail and yeah. falter. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're so used to everything in us is save the children. Yeah. But again, the need to see our own need mm -hmm. for repentance, our own wickedness. Wow, so much good stuff here. Mm. Okay, well, let's just go straight to our takeaway, and if you want to put in anything notable, mm -hmm. but what's mm -hmm. your takeaway from verses one and two? I just had that one was their evil was so great, and mm. I thought about how there's, that evil reaches a certain level which God cannot ignore it anymore. Mm. And I was thinking about Genesis eighteen twenty where the Lord comes down to see the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah because the cry has come out to him. Mm -hmm. And in Zechariah, there are these chariots that are called the watchers, mm -hmm. and they go out through the world just kind of checking on what's going on. And I, I thought about how there is a cap to evil, mm -hmm. that at a certain point, God says, okay, it's enough. I, I can't yeah. let this go. You might not even know me. I'm going to give you a chance to repent, but otherwise, you know, yeah. you this can't be ignored any longer. Which, thank God, another picture of his mercy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then one last takeaway, I was thinking about the contrast of Jesus to Noah and how Jesus was obedient unto death. Like he, he it was his, whoa. Did you turn yourself off there? I don't know. Oh, no, there, I'm you, back. there you are, there you are. But it was his everything <laughs> to obey the word of God. Yeah. Mm. He was all, he came in order to fulfill the scriptures, to obey the word of God. And I was just reading in Matthew uh, yesterday, Matthew chapter uh, three, no, Matthew chapter four, um, it's the temptation. And Satan comes to him and says, you know, turn this rock to bread. And he says, no, for it is written, mm -hmm. you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, he says, I'm gonna live a life that is under the authority and answers to the word of God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, I, was, I was thinking of uh, kind of something Cheryl mentioned last week about the unexpected mm -hmm. ways and call of God. Because Jonah was, I think, right, the only, I mean, some of the prophets had a word for the other nations, but isn't he the only one who actually went into another nation with a prophecy? I'm trying to think. That's what I've read. Because Elijah just had yeah. Naaman the Syrian come to him. This that was wasn't the really. the first time a prophet had been called outside yeah. of Israel. Yeah, ex yes, to go. And that's like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, and yet that's, you know, again, it shows God's heart 
has no bounds for humanity, that he will reach out mm -hmm. and that he can send his people everywhere. I remember years ago, I used to kind of think like, I'd get kind of skeptical about Christians who said they were called to Hollywood or into politics and stuff because I'm like, they're just going to get carnal and fall away and da da da. And sometimes people do, just being honest. But there, you know, that is a call from God to go to reach out to those kind of people. We can't just be like, well, I don't know. Those people are so far gone. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. Nobody is too far gone that God won't send his people to them. Mm -hmm. So, Which, you know, brings me back to Matthew chapter four, which Matthew is um, going to Isaiah and said, you know, a light has come in the darkness and, mm -hmm. you know, Galilee of the Gentiles. And I was reading, you know, uh, Paul, I'm sorry, Matthew was equating that with the people from Decapolis mm -hmm. and Syria mm -hmm. coming to see Jesus in the mm -hmm. Galilee. And Decapolis was like, full um, Gentile nations. The weather was good in the ten cities of the Decapolis. Mm. And so a lot of Romans had settled there or would have like their summer palaces there. Dude, did you know, this is so random, sorry, but in UC. And then we have to move on. What? We, we need, need to move, need to move on? on? Yeah. Okay, never mind. All right, skip it. I just had a funny, sure? yeah, I just had a church history nerd thing just that was kind of crazy. Thing. Yeah. And then we'll one quick really nerd thing. There was this king, King Abgar, and Eusebius the historian records and this just shows like there was so much going on even outside of the New Testament. Like John says, like if we wrote everything Jesus did, we wouldn't have enough. But this king from another country like wrote a letter to Jesus asking him to come to him. And it's just, hmm. you forget like, and that they have that all documented and stuff like that. There were people from the other nations that That's had right. heard of him. Mm -hmm. So it's, Sorry, anyway, so moving much. on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so verse three, do you mind reading verse three? We'll move yes, on to day I'm gonna two. Read, I'm going to go auctioneer style. We'll go so fast. No. Okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay. So what was Jonah's response to the word of the Lord? I'm out. No way. <laughs> yeah. To go the opposite way by the yes. opposite means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was reading too that um, the trip to Nineveh would be some like uh, 500 to 600 mile. Mm -hmm. on foot. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And so he goes on a ship and goes to Tarshish, which they believe was in Spain, yep. which is 2,000. So right. it's like he's doubling the distance from where he's supposed to go, Holy. and he's doing it by water instead of by land. And it was kind of considered the ends of the earth. Like, yes. I'm going to get as far as I yes, possibly right. can yeah, before going off the, the edge Gibraltar of the earth. Strait. Yeah, yeah you know, right Gibraltar, before, exactly. You know, you go God to the says, Atlantic. go east, I'm going west. Yep, exactly. As far as I can, west. As yes. far as they, they know. And so he's rejected God's call and God's word here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he does it immediately. He doesn't waste any time. Yeah. Paid his fare and um, moved on. And so let's move to three. Notice that the presence of the Lord is mentioned twice in this verse. What does that convey to you about where Jonah was? This was such a deliberate choice. Mm -hmm. And it really, to me, it made me think, because we, we think of maybe obedience in terms of relationship with the Lord because Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. But disobedience is also a reflection of where we're at with God. Like, it's a deliberate choice not to be in his presence, not to, you know. True you know, show that you, you know. Yeah, I was thinking kind of twofold thing. I was thinking about how he was externally and internally getting away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. I was thinking about he wanted to get away from the conviction mm -hmm. and he wanted to get, get away from the, um, the community mm -hmm. that would tell him you need to obey the word of the Lord. 
I was thinking about that, and yeah. I was thinking, like, there was nothing casual about this disobedience that he did, but it, it made me wonder, like, what did he tell his boss? Where did he yeah. tell his boss he was going, you know? Like, did he just bail on everything and not even tell his boss? Or did he tell his boss and then have to deal with, like, or you're going to run away or from lie, God? Or, yeah. yeah, like, oh, I'm, exactly. yeah, I'm on a mission yeah. from God, this other drive. Who knows? This yeah. well-known prophet, and I wonder if he just picked up and left and ran away and didn't tell anyone. And then you think about like how our disobedience hurts others. Mm, and time, you yeah. know, like if he didn't tell his family, he just up and left. His disobedience affected his family. It affected the people around him yeah. as yeah. well as himself. Um, Guzik, uh, Dave Guzik had a good quote on all of this. And he said, um, when you run away from the Lord, you never get where you're going and you always pay your own fare. But when you go the Lord's way, you not only get where you're going, but God pays your fare for you. And so, so you good. probably saw that, but yeah, mm-hmm. I just thought that's a, you know, a good way to look at it. It's like, you're just never you know, gonna. Though, um, the nations of the world believed that their God was the God of the ground or the God of this particular area, mm-hmm. which is interesting when it comes to Daniel, when the angel says, I was fighting with the Prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. Because obviously there are gods of the land who are, I believe, spirits, you know. Um, But our God is supreme, and he's over everything. And God, again, is showing Jonah his misconception about him. Um, Later, the Syrians will fight against Israel. And they'll say, well, they want us because their God must be a God of the valley. But if we fight them in the hills, mm-hmm. we'll win. And God says, you know, I heard him talking. They're saying, I'm only the God of the valley. So I'm going to give you this one, though you don't deserve it. And you're going to win this um, war against the Syrians because they're saying, I'm only the God of the valley and not of the mountains. And so we see that God is not restricted to the land. Mm-hmm. He's the creator. He's over everything. He's mm-hmm. the supreme God. And maybe Jonah had the wrong idea because he was a northerner, because mm-hmm. he wasn't under, you know, uh, the priesthood um, in Jerusalem mm-hmm. or uh, knowing the word of God. Mm-hmm. But it, he's going to learn yeah. that God is everywhere. And this prophet needed to learn, too. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually wondered... Yeah, well, because, well, yeah, there's always the, there's obviously the connection. I'm sure a lot of people saw that with Psalm 139. Yes. You know, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I and flee I from your presence? And I loved how they share read that during the prayer time and just prayed through that whole mm-hmm. passage. So good. Yeah, because that's a good point. Maybe he did think, oh, I can flee from God's presence. I can't, obviously he did. So there must have been some limit Which in his understanding of God. that a prophet doesn't necessarily know everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even though he hears the word of God. I mean, He's obviously human. we're seeing a <laughs> sinful prophet here. This is not a good guy. Yeah, You know, this is, I mean, in his attitude and his everything, but God still works with this naughty prophet yes. to give him a revelation of his yeah. grace and revelation of his power yeah. over nature his, and his um, supremacy. You know, he's everywhere, his, his imminence. We didn't talk about this last week too much, but like, we don't know who the author is of this book. And there, some people say it could have even been Jonah, mm-hmm. which obviously, no matter who it was, Jonah told somebody. Mm-hmm. So even though he was very sinful and he was disobedient and he didn't have a grasp on God's mercy and he ran from God's will and God's call, he learned things and then he came back and he wanted to tell us. I actually think it's autobiographical. And the reason okay. why is because he puts in his faults. And we found, like yeah. reading in the biographies that we do for uh, yeah. Women Worth Knowing, that if it's a biography, they kind of paint this beautiful oh, picture totally. yeah. uh, of somebody that you could never relate to. But if it's autobiographical, 
like the hiding place. You know, Corey Timboom's like, I heard about adulthood, Uh, you know, or Gladys Elward. They'll always talk about their... um, yeah, their lack of faith, oh, their lack of faith, yeah. right. just how they blew That's it. That's an excellent yeah. point. Mistakes. And yeah. so I tend to think this is autobiographical. And hmm. also you find like um, it is more uh, Mark's gospel that brings out kind of the faults of Peter yeah. than any of yeah. the other. And There's they believe that Peter uh, wrote the gospel with Mark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that I've always found that to be with autobiographies, they tend to be a little more... Um, Honest. Yeah. There's, yeah. Unless, Excellent. Well, yeah. Do you guys have anything else before we move on? Yeah. Well, I just, I don't know. I was just really appreciating the con- a contrast here because I'm reading, I think I said last week, I'm reading Ezekiel right now. And I was just reading uh, Ezekiel 24 when um, his wife dies and yes. God says, you know, you can't, I, I, don't mourn, don't, you know, uh, don't grieve her loss. You need to just do this as a sign and how obedient he was. Um, and I think that was probably, I, I wonder if that was the most powerful sign Ezekiel performed for them to see like, wow, this guy's wife died and yet he's following the word of the Lord here. Or even like um, Jeremiah, God told him up front, nobody's ever gonna listen to you. <laughs> yeah. And he still went and followed the word of the Lord. And it just made me appreciate like, wow, the, the obedience, you well, know? Even, even uh, Jeremiah will say, when I tried to not obey you, your word was in me yes. like a fire. Yeah. So Jonas yeah. got this fire, Absolutely. no doubt. Oh, um, yeah. I put... Um, for my takeaway was kind of the deliberation, which we've kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. But there's no quick exit from God. Yeah. You know, like he knew it was going to have to be extreme. So he flees. Yeah. He finds a ship. He finds a sea. I mean, he did his best, yeah. his level best. And his best was not good enough to get away from God. Oh, yeah. So it's like you are not as sneaky as you think. Yeah. yeah. No matter how far or how... <laughs> how you what lengths yeah, yeah, yeah. or how you do it your mode yeah. of transportation you can never get away from god <laughs> excellent so okay cheryl do you mind reading verses four and five please? okay again i'm doing the csb the christian standard bible because this is my bible for the year but the lord threw a great wind onto the sea and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his god They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel, (laughs) stretched out, and fallen into a deep sleep. Thank you for that dramatic reading. What you wanted to emphasize there, Tom? Yes, like I said to my grandkids. So in our summary of the first, or these couple of verses, we see that God sent a storm. And one of the translations says he hurled a powerful yeah, wind, yeah, a great yeah, wind. Yeah, I really liked that. Any thoughts on that? Um, just like Wiersbe said, that everything in nature obey God except his servant. Did you see that? Yes. I was like, boy. That's a heavy thought. <laughs> I, I think again about how great a storm this is. It, he doesn't yeah. send a little storm. Mm-hmm. But he sends, like you said, he hurled it, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's such a great storm that even the seasoned yes. um, mariners, the sailors, yeah, they're yeah. like in a panic. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a spiritual element yes. because this is why they call on the gods because they recognize there's got to be a spiritual element yeah, to this. There's storm. divine retribution going on here. We don't know what we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I noticed that too. I was just like, wow, there's something remarkable. And then to throw your cargo out is big. Yeah. Because this is the whole reason for the the journey. This is the whole reason for sailing. This mm. is their livelihood. Yeah. This is their purpose. This is, you know, this is their um, 
reason. It, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so to sit, to do the, the that's the last, yeah, last ditch resort. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just do takeaways, and you can tie in his location and his demeanor as well. Um, I think somebody, I think, already mentioned that about him, like, I think somebody said retreating from his community or something like that. I was just like, what a picture this is, him being, you know, Jonah being removed and asleep and hiding away from the danger of the situation and just how disobedience does dull us yep. to dangers and vulnerability. And, you know, we're... we're Sometimes when we're under conviction, too, we, we do that. We hide. Mm-hmm. You know, like people, you see that all the time. People don't want to go to church. They don't want to be in fellowship because they're ashamed or they think, oh, everybody will know that I haven't yeah. been here for months and they're going to, you know, judge me. And people get all those weird, the enemy gets in there and keeps people from fellowship, hiding out. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is just that, you know, conviction and not just coming into the light. You know, yeah. Jonah's just down here hiding well, away. Well, and I was thinking too that disobedience is stressful and it's yes. exhausting. Yeah. And so it was exhausting well, to where sleeping. he just, yes, he fell into that deep sleep. Yeah. He couldn't even well, stay awake. I was thinking too of the deadening of, like yeah, you said, the deadening. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to hear the voice of the Lord. And the more that we ignore or neglect the word of the Lord when he speaks to us and that conviction. Paul talks about being seared with a hot iron. Yes. It's yeah. like you cauterize that. So you first you hear, but you don't obey. Then you hear, but barely. Mm-hmm. And then you don't hear at all. Mm-hmm. And there's a really scary thing when you stop hearing. And yep. Jonah got to the place where he didn't hear and he was so um, dead, so insensitive mm-hmm. to all that was going on, not not just the peril of others, but just insensitive to the situation and the circumstances around him. Mm-hmm. And I think about how people use drugs and they use alcohol so they don't have to deal to with numb. everything that's going on in society. Right. And, you know, God wants us to be fully aware of what's going on in society, so we'll be praying. Mm-hmm. He wants us to feel the desperation. And I think how our society, the United States, is all about deadening our sensitivities. Mm-hmm. It really be is. Be comfortable, be like, um, I just love everybody. Um, But just this idea of not feeling, or like I got hurt, so I'm going to harden my heart. And and we need to feel. Feeling is so Mm -hmm. important. Whether we feel pain or we feel, um, you know, hurt, it's so important to feel because that's what allows us to care for others and relate to each other. But everything in us is trying to not feel. And Jonah had fallen into this deadly sleep. I, I really think this is a deadly sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good, I, I like that too, just about being dead to the needs around him and the needs of the world. And I was just even thinking, obviously, like you said, right now that's very relevant, but that's like, it even reminded me of um, the old missionary, William Carey and Hudson Taylor and these guys that were trying to call the Church of Eng- in England awake mm-hmm. and be like, you guys, can we just sit here, like Hudson Taylor said, with our arms folded while there's millions of people perishing without the gospel. Yeah. Like, whoa, let's yeah. light a fire under us, church. Like, wake up to the needs around. There's mm-hmm. just so much. And I thought about the means that God will use to wake us up. Mm. And I thought about how the storm was really meant to rattle Jonah, yeah. Yeah. to wake up Jonah. And it woke up everybody else but Jonah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> well, and this was a storm that God sent, which is interesting. Yes. And then something interesting that Kelly brought out when during the prayer time yes, yes. was the that, yeah, that the what do we need to like when we're in a storm? Mm-hmm. What are those non-essentials? Like this year is yep. has been the year of essential. If it's essential, it can happen. If it's un- non-essential, <laughs> it can't. Right. And so in the storms that we're in in life, what are those non-essential things? Like what can we get rid of? What do we need to do to lighten the load in the storm? And I thought that was a good point too, of just kind of looking to see when we're in these storms, what is the most important thing? What do we need to be doing? Mm. Um, so I'd add one more, just okay, yeah, take away we'll on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, the fact that the sailors were crying out to their gods, it just reminded me that they were in a, they were open to spiritual things at this point. There was just an openness there. Like we're looking for something. You know, and well, it's we're just looking a, for the God who will save. Yes, they were looking for the God who will save, and they were willing to try out these different gods, yeah. and even with cry out to your God because we're looking for the God yeah. who will save. I yes. have that. Yeah, and what a reminder today. Maybe that's happening now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe People day five. Are, yeah. <laughs> what? Maybe on day five, I have that. Oh, you might have something about that. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, I don't know. It just no, was a good reminder now. Like, right mm-hmm. now, there's a yes. lot of people looking for something. Mm-hmm. So it was just a... Yeah, that's on my day four. We have, we know the one true God, and that's we right. need to be telling people who he is. The word of the Lord. Yes. We have that. We, we trust do. to do us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to read verses six and seven. Mm-hmm. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for ourselves whose cause this trouble has come upon them. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Listen to this, because I just love this translation. Mm -hmm. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know Who is to blame for this trouble we're in? So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. Isn't that just so good? I mean, that's like... Spotlight. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) All right, so any takeaways on the captain, the sailors, and Jonah, and their activity and attitudes? The captain is concerned about his crew and ship. I mean, Mm -hmm. here is somebody who's concerned about community. And again, Mm -hmm. Jonah's the one who's not. Who should be? Exactly. Who should be? So you've got these contrasts. Who should be caring about? Mm -hmm. I just read this quote that's interesting. You know, a prophet is supposed to be called to bring pagans to God. But in this situation, we have a pagan that's calling out a prophet to bring him to God and say, go pray to your God. That's right. It, It reminded me of like, uh, you know, those times when, when an unbeliever will say like, oh, I thought you were a Christian mm-hmm. kind of a thing. I was, I thought of like um, Gladys Aylward actually, yes. because like when she was, uh, when she was called in to go and calm down the prison riot and she's like, I can't go in there in the prison governor who's not a believer. He was just like, well, you've been telling everybody about how great your God is and, and yet you're not going to go in there. I mean, if he's so powerful and great, mm-hmm. why can't you just go put this riot out? I mean, it's just getting called on the carpet by an unbeliever is like, wow, you know, do I believe this? And this is where I put too that the sailors, speaking of the sailors, that they're willing um, to receive whatever God Hmm. will calm the storm. Seriously. Mm -hmm. So whatever God is over the sea, and they're going to recognize this God as supreme. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to follow this God. And it's interesting that the lot, because, you know, it says that what is it? The cast of the die is from the Lord mm-hmm. in Proverbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Lord allows whatever this game is mm-hmm. to single Jonah yeah. out. I mean, and 
it gives Jonah this time to repent. Yes. Because they're doing this thing, and he could go, okay, it's me. But no, he waits. I mean, he's not coming for it. Yeah. I, no, that drove me crazy. I got so frustrated <laughs> with him. You know, this, I'm studying in depth like this. It really yeah. brings it home. Like, really what does. a little booger. He will not come clean while they're doing all this around him. No one in England is watching this because that is such an offensive word in England. I think I would know that because my family lives in England. All right, what a stinker. How's that? Perfect. Yeah, just that too. Jonah's so caught up in his own storm that he doesn't see the needs of the people around him. There's the dullness again. Mm -hmm. So who do you think is most commendable of those three that we're looking at? I love the captain. Me too. too. Just like, man. Yeah, he's not saved yet, but he's totally on the right track. He knows we need to call on some god somewhere. (laughs) Well, I put this, that he's trying to save the ship. He's getting everyone involved. Yeah. And he's seeking to know and pray to the God who Mm -hmm. saves. Mm -hmm. So I like those things about the captain. Excellent. Um, Any takeaways? Just off of what Cheryl was saying Mm -hmm. about the casting lots, it just was a good reminder that God can work with any, he can work within any cultural method or restraint. You know what I mean? These are pagans casting lots. This isn't even his people, you know, because the Israelites had the whole, the Urim and the Thummim and all that stuff. But these are just pagan people and God mm-hmm. worked within those constraints. And it reminded me actually of something um, Brian said in his message at the missions conference about the Holy Spirit being nimble. Remember we were talking mm-hmm. about that the other day. I just like that word nimble. Like God is able to kind of work with whatever to show himself to people. And so we limit him so I'm, many times. I'm reading this book right now. It's it's got a crazy name. It's Christology and Second Temple Monotheism. But it's actually better than Gripping it sounds. Title. Yes. That sounds, that sounds like not dry at all. But one of the things um, <laughs> he was talking about is how the character and work of Christ is totally consistent with the divine identity of God. And it doesn't break from that. Mm-hmm. But it's novel. And mm-hmm. in other words, it's a new expression of it. But it's totally consistent with who God is. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how in the Old Testament, God was always working consistently with his character, but giving new revelations about himself that totally fit with the divine character. So we've never seen God, you know, hurl a storm at somebody or use maybe the, you know, the... Well, we have seen people cast lots, and that's how they found Achan. But God is working Mm -hmm. in a novel way with these sailors, but it's totally consistent with his character. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. That's great, yeah. Well, the thing that stood out to me, too, was just, like, as a believer, how I could apply this personally is, like, the world needs Christians to be awake. Like, we cannot be this sleeper, like what Jonah is called. We need to be awake, and we need to be speaking the truth, speaking God's word, and awake right now. Yeah. But I'm back to the die, though. Like, if you're not, the cast of the die might just fall on you. And then I think the next day goes so well with this, too. What? You ready to move on? Yep. All right. So day five. Jasmine, would you please read verses eight and nine? All right. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Oh, really? The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Sorry, that was my insert there. <laughs> it was so good, though. Okay, so to like this part, the sailors are trying to find out Jonah's identity. Mm-hmm. And they ask these questions. Any 
thoughts on these questions? Call again, how they're like, it's like pulling teeth to get Jonah to do anything here. It's like, come on, they have to interview you now to <laughs> confess, to, I mean, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's not volunteering no. any information. He does not care about saving these people. Mm-hmm. He just, um, and, and then I thought about how embarrassing, yeah. how embarrassing these, these questions could be mm. because he's in the wrong place. It's like being in a bar and being drunk and you're falling down. They're like, who's your yeah. nearest relative? Pastor, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my dad yeah. said he was in the market one time and the person in front of him was so rude to the teller, mm. just so incredibly rude. Mm-hmm. And then they started cussing them out, the teller, like oh, just gosh. horrid. And he said he was just like, and he's thinking these thoughts in his mind like, what, what an awful person. What an awful person. They turn around, they're like, Chuck, oh, how are you? I'll see you Sunday. And he said, when, he's like, uh-huh. And he said, when the person left, he said to the teller, I am so sorry. That's the worst representation of who I am and what I want to be. He said he, he actually used it as a chance to share the Lord with this teller. And like, I am so sorry because that's not how Jesus wants that you to be treated ever. And I was just thinking about the embarrassing questions. Mm -hmm. Like, otherwise, these questions would just be awesome and open a door to to share about the Lord. And now they're totally humiliating because he's not living up to the answers. Yeah. Well, and one uh, translation asked the first question is, tell us who to blame. Yes. So they were really looking for whose fault is this and yeah. which God is going to get us out of this. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very pointed. This was mm-hmm. not just generic. Like. And so how does he, let's comment on his responses that he first says, I am a Hebrew. Not only that, he says, I worship the Lord who is the supreme ruler and creator. Because he says, I worship the God who created the sea, who has the right to see, who owns it and made it and exercises control over it. And that is what the Israelites believed about their God. They believed that they they worshiped, rightly so, Mm -hmm. the God, the creator of everything. Now, most people did not worship a creator God. Most of the societies didn't realize they believed even creation was beyond their God. Mm. And like, you know, forces or everything like that. But their gods were, there was a gradients to their God. You know, this is a great God. This is like Zeus. You've got the the gods and the lesser gods. But Zeus was not a creator. It's like glorified man, or like a superhuman. So you've got God who's saying, I'm creator. Mm -hmm. And then I have rights to everything. You know, I'm above all of this. Mm -hmm. So now their introduction, but for him to say this, mm-hmm. I worship the best God of all, who's over all, and they're like, and that's the God you're running from? Yeah, yeah. what are you doing here? Why yeah. would you run away from the best, strongest God, you know? Mm-hmm. What's that verse in Proverbs where it talks about like how, um, I can't remember the comparison, but like a righteous person who falters before the wicked yes, is yes. like, I can't remember Proverbs, what it is, yeah. like something like a stick going into your hand or something like that. I don't remember what it something is. Something pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> something unpleasant. Yeah, like when you when the righteous fall. And it's like, man, he's saying the right things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I fear God, all, you mm-hmm. know, God is amazing, but it's like so much inconsistency. What a, you know, only God could redeem this bad witness here, honestly, which he don't, will. Don't but. you think too, he's saying it almost wrote. Yeah. Like this is what it's I totally, know. Yeah. Um, but it's not a heartfelt mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, knowledge, because it, he knew God made the sea, and yet he went to sea to try to get away from God. Yeah. So what a what interesting. an interesting. Um, I just have to say this real quick. Um, my granddaughter, um, when she was just like four or five days old, had an open heart surgery, and everything was a miracle about her surgery. And I could go into um, a lot of deliberation, but I won't. Mm -hmm. But we were just so blessed, and she's really healthy. But on her third birthday, her mom is filming her, and she's singing this song, and you just see the back of her, and she's like, my God is so big. And it's her birthday. Uh, no, it's the anniversary of the day she had her surgery. Oh. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And she does it, you know, with all the enthusiasm of Grandma. <laughs> and it's just so amazing as you look at this young little girl attesting mm -hmm. to the supremacy of our God. But what a bad witness Jonah is. Mm -hmm. He is not attesting to the supremacy of God. He's only saying it because he's gotten caught. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in what you just said, too, about your granddaughter made me think about, like, that's her personal testimony. She yes, knows that story. God touched her and healed her and how when it's personal, it affects us on such a different level. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that was kind of my, my takeaway was, yeah, when, when it is exactly, I mean, you think of like the early church, I'm going to teach that in my church history class next week, it starts, and we're going to be doing like the early church and, and mm -hmm. how, because they were so transformed, they turned the world upside down. And it wasn't just yes. in words, like Jonah, I mean, there was so much action I mean, you know, Christians founded the first hospitals, the first nursing right. homes. They went Orphanages. out and adopted abandoned babies. They, there was so much action. It wasn't like just, I'm gonna post about this and I'm gonna make a declaration. Yeah. It was like, yeah. no, I'm gonna go Thank God act. there was no Facebook. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, everybody's just out on, on Twitter making, it's like, thank God, the early church. You know like, what they Facebook is? Facebook is what these games are to these kids where they think they've had this huge experience because they mm. played a video game. You know, they think they've flown an airplane because they've yeah, played yeah. a video game. <laughs> Facebook, these reality. people think that they've made these incredible inroads in society because they posted yeah. their, their commentary on what's going mm -hmm. on instead of being out there and being seen. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Salt and light. Well, no, and yeah. then, too, with this, his first... Uh, identity that he talks about is his national identity. So even rather than mm -hmm. starting with who he is spiritually as a child of God or a prophet of God, he doesn't even say he's a prophet. He starts out that he's a Hebrew. So he puts that national identity before he puts his spiritual identity. And that's what Tim Keller will bring out, mm -hmm. that he's a patriot. Mm -hmm. um, because he's a patriot, he's so loyal to Israel, he doesn't want the gospel shared with the enemies of Israel. Yeah, that would probably mm -hmm. kind of like separate you from mm -hmm. these people immediately. Yeah, mm -hmm. and know? he's also saying yeah. like, he didn't care about this crew. Exactly. Because he was a Hebrew. Exactly. And that was like not the attitude God wanted the Hebrews because right. like I said, I'm reading in Leviticus, be kind to the alien yep. because you were an alien. Be kind to mm -hmm. um, foreigners because you were a foreigner. Mm -hmm. And so God is always saying, be a witness. Yeah, and that God's heart is for all mankind. I mean, that's even why he's sending Jonah in the first place, is that he has a heart for the wickedness of, Gen of Nineveh to be transformed by his saving power. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote this for my takeaway. How embarrassing to be caught. Jonah's callous disregard for God's directive brought disrepute on God, God's people, and Jonah's country. 
how we live reflects on our community and our God. Mm, yeah. And I was just thinking about how badly it reflected, not only mm-hmm. on Jonah, yeah. but on, like, you have the supreme God, but you don't want to serve him or do right. what he says, mm-hmm. and how badly it reflected on all the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. So you have the true God, and you don't want to share him, and you don't want him to save anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's... Well, that's my takeaway on the next day. Oh. I'll wait to wait. No, no, no. Oh. I mean, it goes along with that. So. We do that. Ready to move it's, on it's, to the good, next statement? Good. Yes. All right. So verse 10. And that would be yes. me. That would be you, Cheryl. I think by default. Yeah. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what is this you've done? <laughs> the men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he told them. <laughs> okay. So let's describe the sailor's response. I mean, again, they see, it's like they connected the dots better than Jonah. Yeah. They're like, wow, if your God's so big, we're in big trouble. And Jonah's like, oh, we are? You know, I mean, he, maybe now he realizes it, but, you know, the fact that he's sleeping down in the ship, I mean, he's just so, it's so weird how oblivious he is compared to the ungodly people. And they're seized <laughs> with fear. And as we said before, but they're willing to do, like mm-hmm. jettison yeah. the cargo, call out to their gods, receive another God. Yeah. They're willing to do whatever it takes to save themselves and save others. Mm-hmm. And Jonah's not willing to do anything to save others. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it says they were exceedingly afraid. And, you know, we we can't forget that these men were seasoned fishermen and sailors, like being out on the sea, like they were, they had gone through many, many storms. And so it made me wonder, what was this storm really like? Like this must have been an end-all storm. Well, you think about, there's a certain storm that hits the Mediterranean that's called a Euroclidon. Okay. Mm. And that was the, the storm that Paul got um, stuck in. Mm-hmm. And so these, it usually comes in November. Mm-hmm. So actually we, we go to Cyprus um, and November from November on, they close everything down. Mm-hmm. Like all the hotels in Cyprus close down because they just know it's going to be bad yeah. and the seas are going to be bad. And um, there's there's not so any like Paul cruises. would have tried to winter in that one place rather than yes. try to sail through. Yes. But, but these yeah. are, this is not the Eurocliden time. They wouldn't have sailed at the Eurocliden time. So this is an uh-huh. unprecedented um, storm that is coming in a season that shouldn't have uh-huh. storms. And that's why they're so thrown off. That's yeah, interesting. That yeah. Well, and then just listening to who Jonah says that God is, these um, these men knew that he had the answer. He had the hope that they were looking for, and he wasn't offering it to them. Yeah, totally. he wasn't willing. Yeah, and that's kind of like what Cheryl was saying before. That was my just my big takeaway here. Just yeah, again, the the, the callous and the lack mm-hmm. of concern, and it just is such a reminder of what our sin. Cause like you're saying, our sin affects other people. It's mm-hmm. not just oh, you know. I mean, and we can be calloused. In, in, when we're in sin, because we want our way. And it was like, I want to do my, you know, Jonah wanted his way. He didn't want to have to. I want my comfort. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I want to hide away here. And it's like, I man. I don't want to minister to others. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just want to be comfortable. And how mm-hmm. many times, exactly. I and mean, I was thinking, man, how many times is my witness, like, uh, the last thing on my mind? Like, really? And I, I remember a friend who was, you know, walking and talking and be complaining loudly about things. And, and they were just like, Jazz, just remember our witness. I'm like, what? I hadn't even thought about it. But, you know, and it's not like I was out there, I am a Christian, but even just in our, just being circumspect in our daily actions and the way we conduct it, even like you were saying, yelling at the teller, 
that person probably yeah. just, maybe they had a bad day or whatever, but they're not thinking about, oh, this is my witness and I'm representing God. So, I mean, I was just like, man, I don't realize I'm representing God sometimes. Just recently, I, I was with a young woman and the pest control said that they were coming to her place. So she and her husband had gotten out of there and then um, they were notified that the pest control didn't come. And she's like, what? So then she gets another notice that the pest control came. So she calls and the pest control said, yeah, I've done it. Your apartment's great. You're ready to go back. So she says, I'm calling that lady. How dare she tell us that they didn't come after all? And I said, it was a mistake. Just, just give some grace. She goes, no, no, she could have endangered our lives. What if we had gone back? She needs to not do that. And I'm like, who's the Christian here? Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, who's yeah. the Christian here? You see, we have the responsibility not to be perfect, but to be gracious. Yeah. Not to be perfect, but to be loving. Mm -hmm. We are the image bearers of a loving, gracious God. Mm -hmm. And that's our responsibility. And there's none of us can reach perfection, mm -hmm. but we can be loving and we can be gracious. Um, the sailor's question that, you know, what have you done? Mm -hmm. I just, that to me is so happy. What have you done, Lord? Or how could you? How could you do this if your God yeah. is supreme? How could you do this? You know, if we were serving the real God, yeah. we wouldn't do this. How could you do this? Or look what you've done. Mm -hmm. Look what you've brought on us. Mm -hmm. Look at the jeopardy and what you put us in. Look what you've done. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, all of those are um, accurate translations of yep. that phrase. Well, and I was thinking too, what could he tell them? Yeah. You know, like, would he tell them, well, uh, I'm here because I hate you pagans and yes. I don't want you guys to get yes. saved. Like, yeah. he can't tell the sailors really yeah. why he's running from God yeah. because that's the reason. Yeah. Yes. There's no good answer There's there. No good answer, <laughs> exactly. And, mm -hmm. you know, he just didn't care about the salvation of the mm -hmm. pagans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the contrast to the sailors respect God. Mm -hmm. They respect God. They're almost they saying, if God. we served that God, if we'd known that God, yeah. we would obey him. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't you? Right. If he's the real God, why wouldn't you mm -hmm. obey him and give him everything? Mm -hmm. If he's real. Yeah. If God is real, isn't he worthy of our allegiance mm -hmm. and our love mm -hmm. and our obedience? If God is real. And I think as Christians, what a witness. If, if we really believe, yes. if we really believe, and yes. if, if we're not living up to it, then we need to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Help me mm -hmm. to live up to what I proclaim to others to be true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was one thing to live in his community like God is real. Yeah. But when God asked him to do something that would make him uncomfortable, yeah. everything changed. Mm -hmm. Everything changed. How could you? So I, um, yeah. I think about how these sailors, they, they would not flee, especially from the God who made the sea yeah. and has control over it. They respected the sea. Therefore, they respected the God who made it and had control mm -hmm. over it. Yeah, yeah. It just reminded me of Hudson Taylor again, another Hudson Taylor moment. But he said that before he got saved. He said, like, you know, if I... If I, were, if, if I were a Christian, I would really take the Bible and, and if it says something, and if that's really God speaking, I would apply it and really live it out. Like if I really thought it was true. And I was like, wow, what a reminder about, you know, just really taking God's word to heart and, and applying and living it out. It's mm -hmm. like, if I really believe this, mm -hmm. man. So just skipping to my greatest takeaway, yeah. it was really the reaction of the sailors yeah. to Jonah's disobedience. And I thought how the world is always shocked by the disobedience of believers. Mm -hmm. It is always taken back. 
and the condemnation is tenfold. And because it goes against what we believe, what we confess, and is a direct act of rebellion and disobedience against the God we say we serve. Mm. And I thought of this, that the world is always watching and hoping that our hope is real. And I think that one of the reasons they get so upset when a Christian um, is found to be a hypocrite mm. is because when push comes to shove, when they're taking their dying breath, they're hoping that there's a God that they can call on that will forgive, yes. that will lead them to heaven. Um, I had this girl friend when I was young, and she said, I want to do a lot of bad things now, but someday when I get older, I want to live like Cheryl and be a Christian. And she was hoping that my hope was really real. And she was watching me, even though she says, I want to do all these bad things. She was watching me constantly mm -hmm. because someday she wanted to, uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately she died of AIDS, mm -hmm. went into a sudden coma and died at, I think was 25 or mm -hmm. 26 years old. But yeah. she wanted to, she was holding out that. When I'm through with this lifestyle, I want that to be real and true. It's so true. No, I was, it's funny. I was just thinking about a friend in high school when you said that. I was just like, I had a friend in high school like that because I went to public school as well. And um, yeah, just, you know, my friends sometimes would tease me about my faith. They, they, you know, they were fine, whatever, but they'd tease me about it. But then I remember that one of my friends saying that they were, like at the end when we were graduating as seniors, that they were so glad that I had like lived it out and been consistent. I was like, really? Like that they really are looking to see like, okay, good, there is somebody yeah. that actually really is living this out and believes it. There's something real there. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's saved now. She, the Lord strategically put a lot of Christians in her life. Well, it's really interesting. Well, think about too how the word authenticity is really a buzzword, mm -hmm. but how the world is looking for authenticity. Yeah. And that's why to me, it's always worse when it's a Christian leader. Mm -hmm. And we've just been through something yes. terrible. We won't mention names, mm -hmm. but the expose, I mean, I felt like I was kicked in the gut when mm -hmm. I found yeah. out. Um, yeah. May I always feel that way? Mm -hmm. Because it is a denial of everything we stand for, everything we believe, because we say mm -hmm. our God can transform us internally yes. and externally and yeah. change our desires so our desires are like Him. And we're supposed to be image bearers, not by our own power, but we're attestations to the power mm -hmm. of God that works in us. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so when you see something like that, you're like, what happened? Did they not give? Yeah. When did they turn to their own yeah. comfort or to their own fulfillment mm -hmm. and away from the spirit of the living God working through them? Mm -hmm. Well, and you just see that progression with Jonah that he did that first act of disobedience and then it numbed him to all these other yeah. things. And yeah. it was a progressive thing where he ended up asleep and then he's not holding out the hope that he has. And like even to this point, he has not stopped to pray. Everyone's calling him to pray, but we don't see him praying <laughs> yet. Sure. Sure. And so even that, his disobedience kept him from prayerfulness. And disobedience like stops us in our tracks. And I love what you said, just to wrap it up, is just that hope that we have, that we can hold out the hope to people around us. And that is, I think, what God's calling us to do today, is to hold out hope. Yeah. Absolutely. The hope of the gospel, the yep. truth of who Jesus is. And to live it out. To live it out. To live, I love it, it out. To, yeah. you know, to be under the it's authority motivating. of God's yeah. word and say, you know what? This might be an uncomfortable journey, but Fuller's in it. We mm -hmm. used to sing this song that um, God called Jonah to Nineveh. He knew best. Uh, so Jonah, let's see. 
Jonah was a fisherman who didn't like to sell, so he took a trip across the ocean on a transatlantic whale. God sent him to Nineveh, and he knew best, so Jonah pushed the button, and the whale did the rest. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, Jasmine, would you close us in prayer today? Thank you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for... um, you know, this story, God, and the powerful lessons sometimes we can learn um, from those that show us what not to do. (laughs) Sometimes that can be just as motivating because it's a wake up, like, oh my goodness, Lord, just, uh, I I pray, Lord, you would help us. I know, help me, Lord, to be circumspect um, in in my life, in my actions, and um, the way I'm conducting myself. Remembering, Lord, help us to remember that we are ambassadors Mm -hmm. of Christ. Um, We aren't just, you know, here just kind of hanging out doing our thing and you know like Cheryl was saying like living in our comforts and all of that Lord we're here to be ambassadors lights for you wherever we go in every opportunity we are salt and light and so I pray Lord that you would make us uh, your witnesses on on every level Lord Jesus show us those areas God where maybe we've um, neglected to do that or we've maybe been a bad witness. Maybe there's somebody we need to go to and apologize and uh, humble ourselves, Lord. Um, show us those areas, God, and show us um, how we can really reflect you to the world around us. People right now are looking and searching. And I know it's like, we, we think like, oh, everybody's just, there's so much animosity and anger and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of hurt and a lot of searching going on and people wanting hope. There's people like these sailors, like, crying out to their gods, like, somebody save us. And Lord, we pray that we would be uh, the lights and witnesses you've called us to be, that you would, Lord, put us into the harvest. Lord, you would direct us to those people that are, that are open, that are ready and willing to hear, Lord. So guide us, direct us, lead us, Lord. And thank you too, Lord. Um, that it's not by might or by power, it's by your Holy Spirit that these things uh, are accomplished, Lord. So we wanna just pray, God, you would do a work in us, Lord, so that you can be reflected out of our lives uh, on every level, not just in word, but in deed, Lord. Show us how to uh, live these things out in practical ways. So um, yeah, again, thank you for the example of Jonah, the reminder, Lord. And so just we pray for alertness and that you would stir us up, wake us up, Lord, to the call you have on each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.